Hey, this is Andrew Kuhn, and you're listening to the Focus Compounding Podcast, the podcast where Jeff and I talk about actionable stock ideas, timeless investing concepts, and the overall way that we think about investing at Focus Compounding Capital Management. Go to focuscompounding.com and enter in your email to get a free watch list from Jeff every other week. And be sure to check out all of our other work where Jeff writes about stocks at focuscompounding.com. I upload how-to investing videos on YouTube, and we both manage capital for investors at Focus Compounding Capital Management. Thanks for listening, and be sure to subscribe to follow along. Welcome, welcome, welcome. How's everybody doing? Hope you are doing well. My name is Andrew Kuhn, coming at you from Dallas, Texas, on the number one value investing podcast in the world. Sitting next to the co-host of the number one value investing podcast in the world, soon to be the number one value investing channel on YouTube. Jeff, how's it going? Uh, it's going very well, Andrew. How's it going with you? It is going great. We've been recording for like four hours today, so we're going to push through with one last podcast. And in today's podcast, we are going to be talking about return on capital, return on equity, return on invested capital, and return on incremental invested capital. But before we do that, if this is the first time that you're tuning in with us, be sure to check out all of our work. Go to focuscompounding.com. Join the famous Gannon Gazette. Get a free write-up from Jeff every now and then. Uh, if you join the mailing list on the homepage, the Gannon Gazette. If you want to join the website, uh, where we're very active with, with uh, writing research reports, uh, join and use the podcast promo code, which is podcast. And it's the word podcast. And they'll take some money off of the subscription price indefinitely, as long as you do stay a member. Follow me on Twitter at focused compound. And um, like I said, a rating and review goes a very long way for us. And we're definitely appreciative of everything. We are probably, so this, so this will come up, I think Friday and Saturday is our two year anniversary, which is insane. Um, you know, close to 170 podcasts. It's been way more fun than I ever could have imagined. And it's fun because people follow along. So thank you so much to everybody uh, for following along. So in today's podcast, let's get to it. We're going to work on uh, return on equity, return on invested capital, return on capital, and return on incremental invested capital and the difference between all of them and how we generally think about them. So we're going to use Chipotle Mexican grill. We used it, um, for the pod or for the balance sheet podcast. Mm -hmm. So we are going to be talking about it as well. Um, for this podcast. So where do you want me to go? Do you want me to go down to them? That's fine. That, that one right there will be fine for us. Let's first go to quick FS, um, the page for that. So we can see, Show people. There's lots of other sites besides QuickFS. It's just our favorite one. Yep, QuickFS.net. And they will usually pull the same sort of stuff um, uh, to so that um, the you know uh, same sort of calculations on return on capital and stuff like that. So yeah. let's look at uh, those three numbers that we said. Well, the two numbers really that we said, which is return on equity and return on invested capital. Yep. So what does it look like the last uh, ten years or so? Um, uh, return on Equity for the since we'll go since 2010 has been 23.6, 23, 24%, 23.5%, 25%, 23%, 1.3%, 12.7%, 12.6%, and 12 or 22.4%. Right. And the return on invested capital has been 40%, 40 40%, 41%, 38%, 40%, 35%, 1.9%, so 2%, uh, 19%, 22%, and 14.5%. And now the return on invested capital this most recent year is below the return equity, right? Uh, that is correct, yeah. Has that been the case ever before? Uh, doesn't look like it, no. So that's probably because of the accounting change. Uh-huh. So, and then we can also look at return on assets. Yep. And what you'll see is that a company that isn't really using leverage should have return on assets and return on equity. They're very close. If it's using a lot of leverage, you should have return on equity. That's um, 
uh, a lot higher than return assets. It's pretty close, mm-hmm. right? So it would seem like it's not using a lot of leverage. And then what happens in the last year? Um, it was return assets, 9.5, return equity, 22.4%, and return invested capital, 14.5%. Right, so it's that accounting change. So that accounting change has really changed things completely where now you're dealing with um, uh, making it look like it has a much lower return on assets and a much lower return on invested capital, but isn't really changing your return on equity, mm-hmm. right? Yep. So that's what we'd expect here, and that's what would happen if you have a change like that. Okay. So th- what it's telling us is the ten-year median returns, of course, are these numbers that are you know twenty twenty-three uh, percent uh, return on equity and an even higher return on invested capital. But now it's going to show us that actually um, the more recent numbers are probably like what it's going to look like going forward because of this accounting change, mm-hmm. right? So you're going to have return on invested capital that's much lower than it used to be. And let's, let's go, let's break them all down. Okay. Mm-hmm. What is return on equity? Okay. So return on equity is going to be your net income divided by your average, um, equity that you had in the business. Okay. So if we go to the balance sheet for Chipotle, we can find that um, Actually, they have it all right balance here. sheet data there. Yeah. So if we take shareholders, so let's do 2018 and 2019. You got a calculator? I could get one. You probably just brought an actual calculator <laughs> because it's faster and less time. I know, but it's better because they could see it. They can see this. Yeah. All yeah. right, we'll go put all it right, right there. So shareholders equity. So this isn't tangible. I would care about tangible, but that's not a big difference with Chipotle. But we're just going to take one, four, four, one, three, that part. So we're going to add the, um, and then we're going to add that to one, six, eight, three. Um, where are you getting one, six, eight, three? So the most recent years. Uh, oh, okay, so that you're, you're averaging the two years. Yes. Okay, got it. So we need an average of the two years. And then we divide that by two, we get 1.56 billion is with the equity that they were using. Yep. And then we're going to take the net income, which is just the most recent year. Okay. So 0.350. 0.350. And then we're going to divide that into 1.562. 1.562. And then we're going to multiply that by 100. So you get 22.4%. Let's go to QuickFS and see how close QuickFS's calculation is to 22.4%. What is it? Uh, 23.1%. Uh, oh, that's me. Sorry, 22.4%. 22.4%. Yeah, so the calculation is correct. It's yeah, the so, same one. So yeah. they pull the same. So that's how you do it. Uh, then we can look at return on assets, which would just use the assets part of it. Yeah. So they have total assets there. And that's the part where you can see it jumped, right? Yeah. So actually, this calculation isn't going to work at all because the reason it jumped it's because the accounting change. It's because the accounting change. But we can see it under the old method. So why don't we do the calculation for twenty, the average 2017 and 2018 together, right? Okay. Year in 2017, year in 2018. And then we're going to, um, so this is under the old method. So 2.045. And then you're going to add that to the other number, which is 2. Point, uh, whatever it is in 2018. 2.65. Yeah. Okay. 4.31. Divided by 2. And we get 2.15. So that's yeah. the average uh, total assets in right. 2018, 2017. And again, for that, they use the net income. So you take a 0.176. 0.176. Yes. And then you're going to divide. And then you're going to divide by. What was it 2.1? I forget. 2.1. 5. 5 yeah. 2.1. What is 5, 5. I think that's what it was. And so it's about 8%. 8%. Let's see what it was. Yeah, there you go. So it's yeah. close enough. Um, so their return on assets under under that method, that's how you figure out return on assets. Now, of course, all these are using net numbers, net yeah. income numbers. I never do that. Okay. Same as like the magic formula. I would just use the income from operations or some sort of pre-tax number. And then now, I why just, is that? Because I just assume a tax number 
it myself. Okay. So I can just multiply it by, let's say, I assume that they're going to pay a 21% tax rate. Then I'll take that number and multiply it by 0.79. So let's do that here just as an example. So the income from operations, right, was uh, for that year. We'll use 2018 just because we have that uh, number in front of us. So right? for so instead of two, using five, net eight. income of $176 million, we're going to use 258. Okay. And then we're going to multiply that times 0.79. So it's as if I'm applying a tax rate of 21% to them, right? And then that number is actually higher than the net income number. Mm-hmm. So I that I use that pre-tax number. Yeah, yeah. So they could have a lower number, though, Chipotle, very realistically, because they can't avoid paying state taxes in each of the states in which their stores are in. Mm-hmm. And sometimes the state taxes may be significant, right? Mm-hmm. So their t- average tax rate might be higher, and we could actually look at the tax rate and try to figure that out and stuff. But that's one way of looking at it. So that's where we get the um, return on assets. Mm-hmm. The return on invested capital is more complicated. Okay. So um, maybe we can actually get if pull up a um, if we pull up uh, you could probably search for some for you know how it's defined uh, return on invested capital like actual yeah do a search on it to see on invested capital um, the total investment part is the issue. So if we, I just look, usually, do, you, you just, I mean, we could find it. Okay. So if we look, um, a good example is like, um, uh, so type in like, uh, return on investing. Okay. So each place will use its own definition yeah. of that. So like it's total capital investment business. Yes, but it's how they choose to do it. I usually just go debt and equity. There you go. So what they're going to do, if yeah, you look so down do. here, is that they'll say something like they take no, debt Pat. and equity. Right. But Chipotle, uh-huh. right? So what do we do with Chipotle? We take out the cash and the investments. I would. Uh-huh. Right? So if I do return on invested capital, I take out the cash and the investments, right? Why is that? Because the cash and the investments aren't invested capital. Uh-huh. They're capital that yeah. the business has, mm-hmm. but they're not invested in the business. They're in cash and investments instead of being in making food, mm-hmm. right? So we take that out. But then the issue that comes in is the issue of the um, capital that we have on the debt side. Yeah. So that's the argument of, is this debt? Like the lease? The lease. Yeah. So debt and equity. Now, under the new accounting things, it's treated like debt. Yeah. So if we use it like debt, which we're going to do right now, then let's figure that out. So let's go to the balance sheet for Chipotle, and I'll calculate the return, uh, not the return, but I will calculate how much I think they have an invested capital. So just the balance sheet for this year. And how I would do it. So, how I would do it is they have cash mm-hmm. of what is that four hundred eighty million? Yeah, and then investments, investments. four hundred million. Yep. So, so eight hundred eighty those together. Yeah, eight hundred eighty million. Right. Yep. And then you take eight hundred eighty million. I pull up the calculator. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. And then we take what are their total uh, assets? Uh, total assets five point one billion. Yep, okay. 5.1 billion. So let's take, let's do the calculation the way that they would do it, basically, the way that it's said uh, when you look it up, yeah. how these sites do return on investment mm-hmm. capital. We take shareholders' equity, okay, right? And then we add debt to it. So shareholders' yeah. equity is 1.61683. Okay. And then we add to that the forms of debt that they have. So the total capital invested in the business. You have the shareholders' equity, and then you have the debt. Right. And so what are those? The... Um, the two that they have, or it's really one, but yeah. the, the long-term operating lease liabilities, well, no, there's a second one, which we'll get into in a second. So we add that in. So add that two point. Okay. Okay. But then you have to remember 
the rent due this year is also a liability. Mm -hmm. So we have to add that in too, just because the debt is due in one year doesn't make it not debt. Yeah. So we also have to add in the current operating lease. Yeah. Okay. All right. So we put those two together. We get four point five billion. Mm -hmm. But then we have to subtract out the cash and the investments, which is we just said eight hundred eighty million, right? Yep. Okay. So it's about three point five three point six billion. Yeah. That they have. And then we would then calculate things like their returns. So if we go back up to that page that had all of the, um, it was the like summary stuff. 400 yeah. summary. And um, we could just go to the income statement, which was one page down. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we're doing this instead. Yeah. So they have invested $3.6 in the business, yeah. I would say. Mm-hmm. Now, remember, some sites won't take out the investments and the cash. So some sites are going to penalize yeah. them more than I'm uh-huh. doing. Um, so we take that and we take $3.6 mm-hmm. And then we're going to take places would take the net income. So let's remember 3.65 billion. Okay. So let's take 350 million divided by 3654 um, and then equals and then times 100. So after tax, they're earning about a 9.58% return on invested capital. Let's see what QuickFS says over there for this year. What do they think their return on invested capital is? They're saying that it's like 14%. Mm-hmm. Um, if we go back, though, let's see if there's a reason for that. So we go back here, and we have the calculator up. Okay. Let's t- remove that. So, And then we take the pre-tax number. Mm-hmm. So pre-tax four, is 43 mm-hmm. by, by what it was, 3654? Is that what it was? Yeah. So you take 443 divided by 3654. That's right. Yep. Yep. And then you multiply it by 100. And so on a pre-tax basis, which is the no-pat part of what they're talking about, it would mm-hmm. be 12.12%. However, there's other stuff in here. There's also the impairment, which I would take out. Um, the pre-opening costs I would not take out. I don't know why um, Chipotle is telling me so much about those. But um, it must be an adjustment that they do normally. So 12.12%, but it would actually be higher by like that 23 number that you have there um, because that's from the impairment. So you should take out the impairment. So like magic formula might be a good one. So why don't we Google how uh, Joel Greenblatt formula for uh, our for yes, ROI uh, state. Let's see. Because this seems to be the one that people care the most about. Mm-hmm. So they use what I would use more likely, the tangible which is capital. EBIT divided by net working capital plus fixed. So why don't we do that? Okay. So what we do now is we go to the balance sheet and we sh- basically do, I will give you a way that I can quickly estimate things, even without using a calculator, even whatever, just on the balance sheet of a 10K, get some ideas of what kinds of uh, returns a business might be earning. Mm-hmm. So what I would do is I would say that what's really invested in the business is the accounts receivable, yep. the inventory. Okay. So it's like $106 million. And the PP&E. Okay. So we're now up to like, what is that? Uh, 1.6 billion? Uh, yeah. Okay. So something in that neighborhood, 1.55 billion, yeah. 1.6 billion. Mm-hmm. So 1.6 billion. It's mostly the leasehold improvements, as you can see. Yeah. And then out of that, you would take out the other side of it, which is the accounts payable and the accrued payroll and benefits. I would also take out the unearned revenue, which is the float from the uh, gift cards. So we have 115, 126, like- 95. So we have about, you know, what is that, 350, let's say. Ish, sure. 
So 350. And I told you that was like one point, what do we say? 1.6, 1.5, let's say. So about 1.2 billion probably is what I would say roughly we could have calculated out. They have invested in the business. Yeah. So that's what's invested in it if it wasn't for the leases. Uh Okay. But they are using that space. And so we have to somehow take into account what that is. So we have 1.2 billion in investments that you could say. Now I would take out... Uh, anything else that they have, right? Mm-hmm. So we don't have to do that here because we're not counting things like cash and equivalents and investments stuff. We're putting it aside. I only added in the things that I think really tend to be actually invested in the business, which is the receivables, the inventory. This is not exactly right, which is why people don't do it. It's not going to work as well as the method that we saw, saw before, but it's a very quick way to eyeball it. Yeah, yeah. And honestly, your receivables, your inventory, your PP&E, offset by your networking um, liabilities are really end float are really going to be what's really tied up in the business and give you an idea of incremental returns and stuff like that. Okay. So we said that number is what? 1.2 billion. Okay. So then you take that number and then what do you take like EBIT off of that or net, right. net income off so of that? Exactly. You can take EBIT off of that. So that would be the earnings before interest and taxes. There is a complication here mm-hmm. to be f- there, we are flattering Chipotle's actual returns because if you notice, we're using the PP&E at its depreciated value, uh-huh. whereas the original cost of it is almost twice as much. Uh-huh. So that actually put a lot more into PP&E than we're treating it like there is in it today. Basically, their older stores, the longer they have stores open and depreciating them, the more we're giving them unusually high returns on capital compared to what they really have. So the income from operations are like $400 million, right? $440 yep. million. So let's take $443 million. And divide by 1,200, let's say, and that would give us a number like that. Then I would say let's tax them at 21%. They're probably paying more than that in taxes, but so times 0.79. This is how I would do it, and then I would times that by 100. So you get about a 30% after-tax return uh, if you don't count for the fact that they're leasing stuff. Uh-huh. But of course, the big expense they have is the lease part of it. So yeah. let's apply that now. Let's go to the balance sheet and find those lease assets that they have. So we can find it either on the liability side. Yep. Or we can find on the asset side. So on the asset side, now under the new um, accounting stuff, it'll show up as operating lease assets. Mm-hmm. So $2.5 billion? Yep. Okay, so add $2.5 billion to $1.2 billion, which is what we said was tied up before. Um, and now we have $3.7, right? Mm-hmm. So $3.7 billion. We take the same, what was it, $443 yeah, million? Yeah, four, 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 And divide by 3700 now. Okay, and that's pre-tax, right? Yeah, so times that by so that's, 0.79, yeah. tax it. And, and then, he's just doing the inverse, guys, of uh, 21%. Yeah, and then times rate. that by 100. And in reality, they're probably paying a little bit higher tax, so it might even be closer to 9%. Uh-huh. So in theory, if they had to finance all their stuff instead of their landlords doing it for them, I'd say it doesn't create value. Mm-hmm. It creates about a 9% return. You're going to underperform the stock market, et cetera. So yeah. what this tells us is the business model of Chipotle depends on the ability to rent all these places and basically treat it like you, the shareholder, who are behind, you know, you're more junior in the structure. Basically, if you think about the business model of Chipotle, the landlord is the most senior they're going to get paid um, in the business, Mm -hmm. right? And then behind them would be things like debt and stuff, which Chipotle doesn't have, and so you're there. So you're really, you know, junior to the uh, senior security of a sort, which is what the landlords own. Mm -hmm. So it's like being invested in a business which has bonds, and the bondholders are senior to you, but because the bondholders are accepting a lower return, because the landlords are accepting a much lower return from Chipotle than you expect, it's leveraging you up. So you're probably, the business is returning less than 10% a year um, or in the neighborhood of 10% a year or something, after tax, 
uh, in terms of what it's really using. Mm-hmm. Okay, if it was all financed with shareholder money, I think it would return ten percent or maybe a little less. It might even underperform the stock market a bit. It certainly wouldn't beat the stock market much, no matter how much it grew. But with the use of the landlords with these rents, you're getting closer to thirty percent. So your return, the question is, am I getting like a ten percent return or I'm getting a thirty percent return? Yeah. And people ask, what's the right answer? The answer is both of those things are true, uh-huh. and it depends on what you do. If Chipotle chose to not rent anything and to own everything, it wouldn't be a very good business. Right, it would mm-hmm. be a very, very average business. Yeah, sure. And if it chose to rent everything and um, was Use as landlords. aggressive as possible, it used all the cash and the investments to buy back its stock, do whatever. You know, it grew as much as it could. Could it return thirty percent a year? Well, we know the stock did return thirty percent a year for a while. Yeah, because that business model is capable of that with that kind of leverage. Mm-hmm. So it has an incredible amount of leverage that way. Right. What about ROIIC, return on incremental invested capital? Very, very hard to calculate. Nearly impossible. I wouldn't try to calculate it normally. Mm-hmm. Um, so is it like one of those things you just know it's high <laughs> that they have? Well, the simplest way with Chipotle would be to learn about uh, what returns they get on a new location. Mm-hmm. So that's really the key thing. They talk like, about like so the actual unit economics. Yep, the unit economics. And we talked about that where I was interested in that with like BJ's versus um, Cheesecake Factory and stuff is what is that or what are they claiming that the unit economics are? We talked a little bit about that with Dave and Buster's or something where I said the unit economics look good, but maybe you open too many of them. That's definitely the risk with Chipotle. The unit economics look great, same with a Starbucks or something, but eventually you make too many of them. Sure. You mm-hmm. know, that always is what happens. And so what are the unit economics? Uh, what's the return on the incremental capital? I don't know. It's also difficult with this kind of business, right? Because opening a new store probably negatively affects some stores around them. Mm-hmm. So is it kind of like a Starbucks in that way? Yeah. I mean, when we were in New York, remember Starbucks was literally on like every single corner. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And so it can negatively impact it and then drive down returns that way. Where on the other hand, of course, there are economies of scale that go up over time. Mm-hmm. So um, it's hard to say. We can look over, let's look over like a five-year period or something. So QuickOS has it and also the uh, the chart that we saw yep. here. So the chart we saw here is fine. So let's go use that one in the 10K. The one that's... Um, the snapshot? Yeah, there we go. Got it. So... So we get some idea here. The difficulty here is because of the accounting change. But ignoring the accounting change, we can see what their return on what their assets were, and and let's see, we can see certainly what their um, return on equity was, et cetera. So you'll notice that their equity went down over that period, uh-huh. and yet what did their earnings do? So let's look at earnings went up. Okay, so let's look at net income. Their net income also went down. Well, from 2015, yeah, yes. it went down, and then it so they're earning less money up. than they were five years ago. Yeah, that and the and they're using less equity to do it. Um, the difficult thing here is it's very hard to tell if they have any positive return. Revenue's gone up. Revenue's gone up, but of course that. Um, is tricky because it means that their their um, margins have gone down and stuff. Mm-hmm. So one way to look at it would be the assets. We could do it for 2015 to 2018. That's the easiest way to do it. Okay. So we take the um, assets of two point. What's it for the end period? Uh, two point two billion. And what was it in the first year? In- uh, two point seven. That's wrong too because it shrank. So you had a decline in assets. So they've been taking capital out of the business and probably a lot more than that because we also know of the, um, the investments and the cash mm-hmm. have gone up, right? We assume they have. I didn't look at the past balance sheet. But that means that you've had a decline there. So it's pretty much impossible to calculate a return in, um, what the return has been over time because they've been taking money out of the business. Uh, if we look at the earnings, though, if we look at things like income from operations, 
um, they have gone down over that. Yeah, period from seven hundred sixty-three million to four hundred forty-three million. Yeah, so that's the other problem there. So you're not able to calculate them on things where both of them are declining like that. It's just not going to work. Um, the easiest thing to tell is like if their earnings keep going up, whereas the assets haven't gone up at all. You basically have infinite returns on capital, sure. things yeah. like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. got it. Cool. Well, I want to thank everybody so much for tuning in, tuning in with Jeff and myself on this video, giving our thoughts on return on equity, return on capital, return on invested capital, and then return on incremental invested capital. If this is the first time that you're tuning in with us, be sure to check out all of our work. Go over to YouTube, hit the subscribe button, thumbs this video up, follow us on Twitter at Focused Compound, and then go to FocusedCompounding.com and sign up on the premium side for research from Jeff on specific stocks. And if you do sign up, use the podcast promo code, which is podcast, and I'll take some money off of the price every single month. I want to thank everybody so much for tuning in with us and we'll see you in the next podcast hey this is andrew coon and that was the focus compounding podcast the podcast where jeff and i talk about actionable stock ideas investing concepts and the overall way that we think about investing at focus compounding capital management go to focuscompounding.com and enter in your email to get a free watch list from jeff every other week and be sure to check out all of our other work where jeff writes about stocks at focuscompounding.com I upload how-to investing videos on YouTube, and we both manage capital for investors at Focus Compounding Capital Management. Thanks for listening, and be sure to subscribe to follow along.